Good morning, everyone. I uh, just want to, just before I start my sermon, um, just when I was preparing, I had a sense that someone here feels like a minor prophet. And if, if you remember what Sam said last week about the minor prophets in the Bible, the word minor does not mean small. It does not mean insignificant. Uh, it's just that the books are quite small. But actually, I felt God meant minor prophet as in you feel insignificant. You feel small. But prophet, because God speaks to you. He puts things on your heart. But you, because you feel insignificant, you feel small. You don't have confidence. And you feel that, well, why would God speak through me? I can't bring that. What, what happens if it's wrong? Uh, and I just feel that, that God would say to you, just to be bold, that no gifting from God is small. That God doesn't see anyone in his family as insignificant or small. And just, I just really want to encourage you just to step out in faith. And I believe that as you step out in faith, freedom will come. Uh, and so if that's you, and you want prayer afterwards, do feel free to come and find me and I'll, I'll pray with you or find someone else to pray with you. But I just, I just feel like actually God wanted to speak into that this morning. So we live in a world full of violence, iniquity, destruction and strife. How do we handle this? Yes, there are lots of great things about the world, aren't there, as well? And lots of good things and we can celebrate, we can praise these things. But actually, in many respects, we live in a dark place. Even last week, Sam was saying, wasn't he, that a lot of the time he has to turn the news off if the kids are around. Just because he doesn't want them hearing the things that are going on. How do we interact with this world? How do we as Christians, as the people of God, interact with this world? Maybe you have a friend who knows you're a Christian. They might ask you, you believe in God, don't you? If you believe in God, how, how, if you believe in God, how, how can you prove that to me? How can you show that to me? You say he's just, you say he's loving, yet you look at the world around you, and that isn't evident, is it? from young children to adults, people of all ages being hurt in different situations, being injured psychologically, physically. Like, how is that just? How is that fair? These, but these are things we need to interact with. We can't be shy from, we can't shy away from them. As the Bible tells us, we're not of this world, but we're in the world. So we need to be prepared to give an answer for our faith at any point, don't we? So at any point, someone might ask us about our faith and ask, why are you a Christian? And so we need to be prepared need to be able to answer that. So last week, Sam looked at Habakkuk, and he was looking at Habakkuk's first protest to God. He mentioned how Habakkuk starts in this place of protest, but eventually will end up in this place of praise. And I, I kind of see this series a little bit like a soap series, or maybe a short BBC series, because um, it's only like going to be like four episodes or something. But every week, almost is going to end on a cliffhanger in one way or another. There's, like, you, you almost want to get to grips with, with Habakkuk's complaint. So last week, Sam got to get to grips with Habakkuk's first complaint. And then we saw God's answer. And then we wanted to see what was next. But we couldn't. We had to wait until this week. And then once again, it's, it's going to go on again and again like that. And in some ways, it actually makes it quite tricky to preach on because you don't want to steal things from other people, what, what they're going to use. But, but coming back to the point... <laughs> 
So Habakkuk was protesting to God, and he was questioning God about the state of the kingdom of Judah. It wasn't just the surrounding nations, but it was the issue with where he lived. Judah was full of violence, full of iniquity, destruction and strife. So it's actually very similar to the world we live in at the moment. In fact, very similar to the place we live in at the moment, Babisham. Habakkuk recognised that as the people of Judah, they were part of the people of God. They were God's chosen nation. Yet, the nation on the whole had turned away from God. They had rejected him. They had promises from God, but if they put their faith in him as they trust him, as they live according to his law, that they would be richly blessed, that God would give them the promised land, that that would be their inheritance, that it was flowing with milk and with honey. These are things associated with richness, with greatness. If they followed the law and lived for his glory, they would receive these things. But if they didn't, if they turned away from God, they would face judgment. And this is what the people of Judah had done. I think lots of us have a sense of justice, don't we? When something happens that wrongs us or wrongs someone close to us, we actually get wild inside, don't we? It's something that affects us. It's something that it provokes a response in us. And that's, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening here to Habakkuk. You have all these promises from God. God's saying, look, you follow me. I will do this. I will bless you. You will bring... Basically, he says, you will bring my kingdom, my rule and reign, my chosen people, will bring that to all the nations of the world. And yet, Judah had turned away from God. They were worshipping false gods, but turned away from these promises. They were full of violence, iniquity and destruction. So Habakkuk had this rightful complaint, didn't he? He was like, God... You have said, if we follow you, you will bless us and give us the land. But if if we don't follow you, you will judge us. You will chastise us. It's not necessarily a judgment to bring destruction, but it's a judgment to bring us back to God, to bring the people back to God. So Habakkuk was crying out, God, where is your justice? We're meant to be... You to the nations around us. We're meant to be your shining light to the nations around us. But yet, we are just as bad as the surrounding nations. Does that sound familiar? I don't mean that we as a church are full of wickedness and strife. And, but, but actually, as we look around, like we, there's been many prophecies, hasn't there, about England? About revival coming to England? About actually God's kingdom breaking out? And we've seen actually like the Welsh revival and things like that, of God's kingdom powerfully coming, people being converted. We saw the ministry of Billy Graham. Thousands upon thousands of people coming to God. And yet, we live in this place where we're full. We're surrounded by sin, aren't we? By darkness. So Sam showed us last week that we need to be honest with God. We need to be like Habakkuk. We need to cry out to him. And if, if these things, these darknesses around us haven't got our heart, we actually need to pray, God, let our heart be after your heart. Let us see the world how you see it. And let us be, have a heart for bringing your kingdom to this world. So Habakkuk cried out about injustice. He wanted to seek, a, he wanted to seek that those who were oppressed would find freedom. 
He wanted the righteous to stop being oppressed by the, by the wicked. And so he cried out to God. And God spoke. When God responded, he said, I am the God of justice and I'm going to act. In fact, I'm already at work. Even though you've not seen it, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. That is the Babylonians to judge Judah. Now, the Babylonians are a dreaded and fearsome nation. The Assyrians, about 130 years before, right, right there, wiped out the kingdom of Israel. Okay? And the Assyrians were known for how fearsome they were, how horrific they were, how they would take the people out of their own land and take them to a different land so that they had no, no sense of... I can't think of the right words. Anyone else? Identity. identity. There we go. There we go. Good. So they have no, yeah, no sense of identity anymore. So that, that was what the Assyrians would do. Thank you. Uh, and the Babylonians were worse. They actually, you'll, you'll hear about this further down the line, but from a few episodes of time. But they introduced a scorched earth policy. So they would actually destroy, destroy the earth. They would rid it of all the organic uh, like roses, if there are roses out there, I don't know. But like vines and things for growing wheat and anything, they would get rid of that so that there was nothing less. So that there was, the ground was not fertile anymore. So these Babylonians, they would bring devastation. They would be more violent than Judah. Uh, bring more violence. Yeah, they would be more violent than Judah. Think about Habakkuk's complaint. Part of it was about how violent Judah had become, wasn't it? And the violence within the, within the nation. And yet God was saying, don't worry, I've got this under control. I'm already acting. I'm raising up this other nation. In fact, I've already established them. Yeah, okay, you've heard their reputation for evil, and yeah, they're more violent than you, but, but I'm using them. How do you think Habakkuk would have responded to that? It's not, yeah. Good face, Steve. Yeah, that's a good... <laughs> you can come to the front and do that, I think. <laughs> and so we were left on this cliffhanger, weren't we, last week, of, okay, well, how did Habakkuk feel? What did God's response do to Habakkuk? And this is where we pick up the message for this week. Directly after God had announced that he was raising up the Babylonians to judge Judah. So if you can turn to Habakkuk 1, verse 12, and it should come up on the screen, so I'll just give you a minute to do that. Uh, we'll read what, what happens when Habakkuk has his second complaint. So let's give you a minute. Alright, so it says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up, the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post, and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, 
and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So there's two issues here that Habakkuk has that I want to, want to look at. So as I already said, what Sam looked at last week, Habakkuk was complaining about God's inactivity. Why was God being idle when his chosen people had gone away from him and had rejected him? Now Habakkuk's almost complaining that God is too active. He's complaining about what God is doing. Habakkuk doesn't see how a holy, just God can use a wicked nation to bring judgment to Judah. When Judah, although it is in a bad place, he himself says it's less wicked than the Babylonians. And there's still actually righteous people in it. So how can, how can evil people be used to judge a place where there's still righteous people there? I think the first thing to point out is Habakkuk has good theology. He knows that his God is eternal, that he lives forever. He knows God as his rock, who brings stability, who doesn't change. He is who he is. And he's the rock who steadied his ancestors when they were in times of trouble. He knows God is holy, and yet he also knows God personally. Because he says, my holy God, my Lord, my God. So Habakkuk is saying, this is my understanding of you. You are holy, you are other. You can't stand or tolerate evil or wrongdoing. So how, how can you use a wicked nation like the Babylonians to punish a less wicked one? How can you use a wicked, evil nation? Where is the justice in this? Think, we, we can see even more where Habakkuk might be coming from if we think back, back to the law. And if, and if you touched anything unclean, you became unclean. So this is what the people of God were living with in the Old Testament. If you touch anything unclean, you yourself become unclean. And a sacrifice had to be made as a sin offering so you could become clean again. So how can our holy gods use an unclean, wicked nation? Because in essence, that's him touching the unclean thing. Surely that makes God unclean. Surely that violates God's holiness. So you can really get a sense where Habakkuk is coming from, can't you? What God has answered doesn't actually really fit with Habakkuk's theology, with his understanding of God. And I think this can be true for all of us in various ways at different times. We come across experiences which, which don't seem to align with who our God is. We get these frustrations and we end up praying, God, you are a God. You love justice. Why aren't you moving? God, we need you to move. You teach us to pray, let your kingdom come. Why are you allowing this to happen? Once again, that's also the complaint, isn't it, about so many non-Christians. If God is real, and he is who you say he is, why is he allowing all of this to happen? Then Habakkuk goes further. Not only how can you use the Babylonians, 
But where is your judgment on the Babylonians? To Ju- Judah, your nation, Judah, your people, we, we need judging for the wrong that we're doing. But the Babylonians, they're worse than us. Where's judgment? Will they, will they continue forever? Will their kingdoms survive forever? Here we're left with some provocative searching issues about God and his judgment and his justice. And how this all fits in with his holiness and with his character. I'm afraid we'll have to wait till next week to really see how God answers that. But this is one thing I'd like to touch on now. We see Jesus in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, if there was someone with leprosy, if you touched them, not only could you get leprosy yourself because it was thought to be very contagious, but actually you became unclean. Jesus, when someone with leprosy comes to him in the New Testament, he reaches out, he touches them and says, now you are clean. Or take Isaiah, where Isaiah sees the prophecy or vision of God near the beginning of the book of Isaiah. And he says, woe is me, me of unclean lips in the very presence of God. And a coal is taken from the altar and touched on his lips. And he said, now you are clean. This is the grace of God's show. And so I think Mike will be dealing with that further, further next week. But, but there's this sense that, that actually God can make the unclean clean. So are we actually listening? From what, Habak- from what happens next, I think we can really learn something. So Habakkuk has taken his confusion and complaint to God. And then it says this. So this is from uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So Habakkuk goes to the watchtower to wait for God's reply to him. He even says that he's going to then wait to see how he replies to God. But this provokes a question. Do we ever station ourselves to wait to hear God's response to our prayers? Sam was talking about last week, wasn't he, about listening, about hearing God. But here Habakkuk does it very deliberately, doesn't he? He takes himself away, goes to the watchtower and says, I'm gonna, now I'm going to look for your response, God. He's expectant for God to reply kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, how Jesus teaches us to pray. Go take yourself off to a room to be alone, to pray with me. And I don't think the whole point of it is that there aren't distractions there. But actually, it's a deliberate thing, isn't it? It's a deliberate thing of making time. And our understanding of prayer is that it's a two-way thing. So actually, by taking ourselves off to somewhere where there aren't distractions, actually, this dialogue, this two-way conversation can happen. So, so many times, isn't there, we want to hear what God has to say to us. We're desperate to hear. We might come up to some crossroads in our life. And it feels really big. Do we go left? Do we go right? Uh, you might want to know, actually, God, what's your calling for me? God, I want to hear your calling for me. Tell me what your calling is. What are the giftings you've given me? I want to know what these are. A difficult situation might come up. 
And you might be like, God, show me what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Give me wisdom for how to handle this. Yet, we often struggle to actually hear what God is saying, don't we, I think? Some of you may recall that, that in a preach I did in the last series, I mentioned that God had been talking to me about finding time to pause. And at the time, I'd interpreted that as, actually, rather than in a busy day, when, if I get literally two minutes to myself, just open my phone every time and have a look at it, actually, sometimes just pause and just spend a minute with God. Just maybe spend a minute praying or something like that, or reflecting on Him. But actually, trying to cultivate this relationship, this friendship with God throughout, throughout life, throughout my busy day. And actually, over the last few weeks, God has actually been redefining what this pause looks like. And it, I've been finding, I've been taking time to put 10 minutes aside or so, where in my busy life, even if like, I was writing the preach, and at times I was struggling to get enough done, and I, was, I actually felt God say, look, just pause and just listen to me. We might come with questions that we want specifically answering, and that's fine, and actually I've done that at times as well. But, but there's this element of, what do you want to say, God? Because actually, we have to trust that God might actually be wanting to speak to us about something else other than the questions we have. There might be something else more important that we can't see at the time. But I think this is a skill that we need to relearn. Do we listen? Do we know how to listen? It says in John 15... I do not call you servants any longer, for my servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends, because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. God wants to reveal his plans to us. He wants us to hear what he is saying. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. As Sam said earlier, you're featuring a lot in this preach. (laughs) Um, Come myself now for saying that. Um, do we listening and hearing are two different things, aren't they? Do we actually hear? It's so easy to bombard God with our prayers, with our supplications, with thanksgiving, rejoicing, petitions, and we might even actually expect Him to speak to us. But have you, have you ever had a conversation with someone who keeps speaking over the top of you? Or you seem to be having a conversation and they're just talking over the top of each other. None, neither of them have a clue what the other person is saying to each other, do they? It's almost like I'm driving a car somewhere and say Alex knows where we're going, she's directing me. And the whole time, I won't shut up. I just keep speaking. <laughs> I do shut up really, but, but like, the whole time I'm just like, where, where are we going? Where's next? Where, where are we going? Like, is it this turning? Is it that turning? Is it straight on? Is it this? Is it that? Oh, what about this? What about that? And actually, I'm never going to hear what she's saying, am I? The likelihood is, one, neither of us will enjoy the journey. Two, will we actually ever get to the destination where we're meant to be going? And so, it's like, actually, do we make time to listen? And so, I just, I just encourage you, find time just to sit blank piece of paper, pen, nothing else. If it's helpful, maybe put some music on in the background. But just listen. Like, not to put a time frame or anything on it, but sometimes I've just set a time for 10 minutes and just been like, look, God, 
on my busy, busy day, I'm just going to take this time just to specifically, just to listen, just to hear what you want to say. And actually, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been edifying. It, it's building up hearing what God has to say. And it builds our faith as well, doesn't it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of God. It's good, it's good hearing what God has to say to us. So, but, but it's not easy. I think sometimes we'll just sit and listen and we'll probably miss it. It's a, I think it's a skill we need to relearn. So I just encourage you, encourage us. This is so for me. Let's spend time listening. Let's spend time listening to God and hearing what he has to say for us and for those around us. So we need to be honest with God. We need to make time to actually listen and relearn this skill. Now, we're actually going to look at the first part of God's response uh, this week. And we read it earlier. It's in verses 2 to 4. And, and I'm, just, I'm just going to reread that. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So there's three main points I just want to quickly make from here. Number one, when God speaks to us, we need to write it down. And we need to live with it. That's, that's what Chris was saying, wasn't it? That God spoke to her and she lived with it all these years. And it, it, even though it was on the back burner, she, it was still there. It was still in her mind. She was waiting for it. It actually says to write it down on tablets. And actually that, that would have been because they last. It's a lasting thing. So actually when God speaks to us, Let's live with it. Let's write it down. I think Sam, helpfully the other week, sent out an email with some prophetic words from, from last year, didn't he? Let's go over those as well. Let's live with them. Let's spend time. Let's have faith for them. Two, the vision isn't fulfilled instantly. It has its appointed time, chosen by God. So don't get dismayed if you're waiting for fulfilment of prophetic words. Sometimes, like Chris was saying, we might not even want them to be fulfilled. And there's a journey God takes us on there. But we have to trust God. But if you are waiting for fulfilment, just remember, God's word does not return to him empty. God is faithful and true and faithful to his word. If he has spoken something, it will come into being. But we need to live with it. And number three, verse four says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So those who have a right standing with God shall live by faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11 defines it as this. Now faith is the assurance of things hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. I'm just going to take a little bit of a paraphrase, paraphrase from the ESV study Bible just to help unpack that quickly. It says, By defining biblical faith as assurance and conviction... The author indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope, grounded in imaginary or wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence in who God is and what he has promised. 
I'll just read it again. So it's not a vague hope, grounded in imaginary or wishful thinking. It is a settled confidence in who God is and what he has promised. God will bring to pass what he has promised. Both for worth of faith, used in Habakkuk 2.4 and the verse here in Hebrews 11, can be translated either as faith or faithfulness. So it can either be read as the righteous shall live by his faith, or the righteous shall live by his faithfulness. I believe God is saying, I haven't forgotten those who are faithful. That's what he was saying to Habakkuk. I think he would say it to us as well. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten you. Those who humble themselves and put their continual faith in me will live. I will save them. To live by faith is not just a moment of trust, but a way of life. And this is what God was saying. That the faithful in Judah will survive the judgment. They will live because they have their faith in me. Phil just shared um, a helpful analogy for me about faith that came to him uh, just before I came up. About living by faith. And think of it like flat pack furniture. Okay? You're given the tools to do it. You're given the instructions to do it. You're given the items itself. Therefore you are equipped. God has given us of himself. He tells us in his words how to live. It says his word is a lamp to our feet. He's given us of his spirit, of his gifting. He's changing us to be like him. God has equipped us to live by faith. So we've already spoken about talking honestly with God and listening as friends. But I also believe a big part of this faith is reading and wrestling with the word of God. Biblical truth is to be a rock in our lives. It's a foundation for our faith. As we spend time in God's word, meditating on it and storing it in our hearts, it is something that will help us stay pure. It will help faith comes. It will help faith come. It will affirm us. It will beat us up, build us up. It also refines us, removes the dross. And it also brings reproof. Think about how a sword is made. I don't know everything about the process myself, but I just think God wants to speak to us about this quickly, just before we end. The metal has to go back into the furnace again and again and again and gradually be forged by the master crafter into shape. And I just feel God wants to say that For us as a church, this is what he's been doing. We've been going into the furnace again and again and again. And God is shaping us little by little, again, bit by bit. But also, it's like a refining fire. It's removing any dross. It's like what Maggie said, that his glory may shine ever more through us. He wants his glory to be in us, to be shining through us. We are God's church and he is building his church. He is shaping us to be a sword that he can use to advance his kingdom, not only in Faversham, but to the nations. 
Much like how the world looked to Habakkuk. It was a real mess, wasn't it? Wickedness was rife. But there was a hope. And Habakkuk was petitioning his God where the hope was. The world around us is a, is a real mess, really. It's full of wickedness. It, if you look at what the news is like at the moment. Once again, it's just... A majority of it's on Brexit again, isn't it? And actually, how little hope our country has at the moment in going forwards. Whichever way we go, it's wrong. That's what people say, basically, isn't it? Whatever way, it's wrong. But we have a hope. Our hope is in God. So we need to make sure that we're honest with him in this desperation. Things like Brexit, we should be crying out to God, saying, God, have your way. Have your way with our nation. We need to make sure we listen. We learn again to hear what he's saying. Like Sam was saying, the church should be at the very front of justice in our nation. So we need to hear what God is saying. And then we need to respond in faith. I'm just, I'm just going to pray for us as I just close. God, I thank you that you are speaking to us. Lord, I thank you that you were speaking to us during the time of worship earlier. I thank you for the joy it is coming together as your church to, to glorify your name. And I just pray that, that, once again, it's almost similar things to last week that are coming up. This sense of listening, this sense of, be, sense of being honest with you, this sense of being friends with you. But also that means you want to reveal your ways to us. You want to reveal your plans to us. You want us to be a people of faith. Lord, help us grow in this, we pray. Let your kingdom come in Faversham. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come in Swale, in Sittingbourne, on Sheppey. Lord, let your light come and shine through us to the nations. We ask this in your name. Amen.